nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the Pickup app today. That's PKUP and wake up worry free. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. We're with one of the doyens of the paddock, a man who's been in motorsport for most of his adult life, if not all. And Tim Edwards, welcome to Inside Supercars this week with Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock. Yeah, hi guys. Good to be on. Wonderful to have you here, sir. Um, I don't know if Taylor and Ben's one of your favourite events. Obviously, uh, for the time you spent in Formula One, you would have enjoyed going to Adelaide, of course. Uh, I did, I did. It was, in fact, anyone who worked in Formula One in the era where Adelaide was on the on the calendar, anyone who worked in that era would hands down tell you it was the best F1 event ever. So, I mean, it might have been the fact that it was the last round every year and it was always off the back of the Japanese Grand Prix and you'd come down, you know, a couple of weeks before the race and have a good party, but it was uh, it was always an exceptional Formula One event. So yes, I have very fond memories of uh, my very long motorsport career of, of time in in South Australia. Now you worked for Eddie Jordan for a period of time. Did you also I, work I, at Jaguar? No, no. I worked basically. I worked for Eddie Jordan from the start to the finish of Jordan Grand Prix. So um, I I started with Eddie at the beginning of '91. Pretty much as they debuted, the, that was our first season with the Seven Up Jordan, and my last year with him was uh, the end of, was 2004. And pretty much about a month after I um, I, uh, I left, it was when the sort of Russians took over, and it sort of carried on a little bit as Jordan before it ultimately morphed into Midland, and then Spiker, and then Force India, and Racing Point, and um, uh, and then ultimately, yeah, same team today that um, is the Aston Martin team. In fact, same team manager that I promoted to replace me when I left um, in 2004, Andy Stevenson, is still there today in that same factory, um, albeit he's gone through a fair few colour changes since I left. I agree with you more than likely that uh, that 7 car was one of the prettiest F1 cars that's ever been. Clean, simple design, oh. and it worked so well. It was, it was a beautiful car. And obviously, you know, we punched, you know, for a debut season, we well and truly punched above our weight. And, um, you know, um, you know, and, and even um, put Michael Schumacher's name on the map because, you know, had he not driven for us, you know, as a fill-in at that Spa race, you know, he may never have made it to Formula One. So, you know, if you talk to Eddie Jordan, you know, he was the talent spotter of all talent spotters when it came to... To, to, to drivers and we pretty much had the who's who of a Formula One drive for us um, in, at some point. Um, but yeah, it's um, it was a great period. You probably never had the opportunity to tell Eddie Jordan that he's the uh, the Gary Rogers of Formula One. Has. <laughs> oh my God, I didn't need to tell him that. He told the world that. I mean, any time he got the opportunity, he would tell everybody what a, what a guru talent spotter he was. So anyway. 
I could one day tell a few truths around how we ended up with drivers and the, the amount of brown paper bags that I saw um, <laughs> being, being passed around and all of them were full of uh, yeah 100 US dollar notes. But anyway, that's a story for another day. All right. Well, we look forward to that opportunity and being nearby with a microphone. But let's get on <laughs> to Tail and Bend. Um, it's, it's a venue you spent a couple of weeks at. Uh, it was one of your cooking venues of, of 2020. Because that's what your last year was, wasn't you? Cooking venues for Tim Edwards. Well, yeah, it wasn't just that. I mean, I, I'm I'm still playing my part in the catering um, in uh, in 2021. In fact, I've dragged my lovely wife along to the races, who uh, who is also a Formula One veteran and and um, and cut her stripes, you know, in the 90s. Um, uh, involved in catering and hospitality in Formula One. Well, I've dragged her back out, and um, she's relieved me from a large percentage of the cooking duties. However, I still do take to the barbie to cook the bacon in the mornings for the uh, for the bacon and egg rolls, and I also take to the barbie when she needs any steaks or salmon's cooked. But I've largely been reju- re- relieved of catering duties this year, although I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty still actively involved. You know, you're reverting to your regular role as running the uh, the uh, team that uh, Ford have looked for many years to fly their flag high. Um, what have you been up to since uh, the last round? Um, you you had some problems with uh, Cam Waters and his tyre life. There are obviously a lot of things you had to work on there. Oh, look, the, the, the guys have been um, you know relentless since the last round. You know, we don't take... Um, you know, a poor performance like that lightly. You know, we uh, you know we showed we've got the car speed to qualify in the front row for all three races. And when you don't translate, um, you know, you, you, you've got to you've got to look and ask why. And um, you know, we've we've dug pretty deep, and we've sort of we've focused our attention uh, for tail and bend on some things that we need to 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 improve on the car. I mean. In saying that, Talon Ben is a different kettle of fish to, to Tassie, but you've got to consist that, you know, you can't just move on from what happened last race. You know, we've got to learn from it and we've got to make sure that we um, we improve. So, you know, the guys have been digging deep, the drivers, the engineers, you know, they've put a lot of effort in. And um, But, you know, the reality is, you know, I need all three cars up there. You know, it's not just about Cam Waters. So, you know, we're working hard with JC and, and Jack as well. To, to you know try and improve them as well so yeah and and added to that we've also got um got a wild card happening over there as well with with thomas so uh, you know he brings another dynamic to it you know he's got great experience he's got great experience at that particular venue as well so you know he's certainly thrown his hat in the ring to to um to, to help improve what we're doing as well. I mean, it must be terrific for you the fact that you know he's getting regular miles in the s5000. I mean, not that they bears a great relationship to the the supercar he drives, but you know, any time you're behind a steering wheel, obviously uh, tunes you up. Um, you had a good uh, test with him last week. Yeah, no, we had a very good test with him, and um, and as you say, yep, you know, doing the S five thousand race mileage is race mileage, and obviously he was doing that last weekend. But you know, at the same time, Cam Waters was also out in a sprint car again last weekend. So you know, I've always been one to encourage the guys to to drive whatever they can, whenever they can, you know, within reason, because you know they don't get a, a you know they have. A lot of breaks where they're not doing, you know, what their job is, which is driving a race car. And so to try and stay match fit and, you know, that hand-eye coordination and reaction times and that, 
um, you know, driving anything is beneficial. You know, even in the past, you've seen Chaz racing, you know, front-wheel drive cars, at the Bathurst six-hour and things like that that are, you know, completely different to what we do, but it's still race mileage. It's still just that constant, you know, um, uh, you know, behind the steering wheel. So, you know, I've always encouraged the drivers to do that. And um, and look, at you know, I think doing the S5000 will have definitely, um, you know, helped Thomas prepare for this weekend. I'm interested in having had a f- open wheel background at the uh, pinnacle of the sport. What are your thoughts on this now S5000? We've seen it have a few uh, demonstration runs and a, and a first championship season. Ah, uh, look. I mean, to be honest, I enjoy the novelty of it, um, but you know, I'm not sure what the pathway is, you know, I think, you know, for me, everything needs to be a pathway to somewhere unless you're just doing it as a, as an amateur. Um, you know, I think clearly, you know, super three, super two, you know, that's all the pathway to supercars. Um, I do question with some of these support categories where they're leading to, and that's not to say every support category has to re- lead somewhere, but, but in some instances, it kind of needs to, you know, there's got to be a, a purpose for doing it because if it's not for the, you know, weekend warrior or, you know, call them, you know, gentleman racer, um, which is absolutely a huge part of our sport. But if it's not for them, then what's, where, where's it going? And so I do, I do question that a little bit. And I think that's possibly why the grid numbers aren't as strong as, as, as we'd like, but, you know, I, I support it. You know, I've supported Chris Lambden in, um, in, in the venture, you know, from the outset, you know, I think, you know, it'd be great to have a high powered open wheel class in Australia, but just, you know, we, we've seen it before and I just, you know, I'm nervous that, you know, where's it going and, and what's its life expectancy? But anyway, time will tell. You know, I really hope it works. You know, I'm a motorsport enthusiast, so I'm one of those people that likes watching racing, whatever it is. And so, you know, I certainly hope it does succeed. I'm just not quite sure where it fits. Have you been to the skids to watch Cam in the sprint car? Yeah, I went down to Avalon and watched him, but the, the night I went to watch him was... um. He was up, it was actually a 410 meet and it had all the heavy hitters there so you know you had all the McFaddens and you know the the stars of the sport and um and, and at that point I think that was probably cam's third race event and holy shit he was a duck out of water and he was the first one to put his hand up and go whoa I've got a lot to learn um, but you know and and you know He's learning all the time, and that you know, it's a bit of a, it, you know, it's difficult in that category because trying to get onto a speedway venue to practice, but ha- a venue that's prepared like it would be for a race meeting, and their tracks just evolve so much. You know, even if you go on your own to a and rent a, cir- a circuit out to, to practice, you're never going to see the evolution of the racetrack like you actually see. You know, the night that I was there at Avalon, you know, when you look at the track they started the night on to what they finished, whoa, you know, it was like. It'd be like our guys starting Bathurst, you know, as it is now, and finish with it, it's dirt with bloody jumps in it. It's um, it's uh, it's uh, and so I don't know how you actually learn from that apart from actually just competing in race meetings. So you know, that's why he's been trying to race as much as he can, and you know, he's getting better all the time. You know, he's he's run out on the weekend. Um, um, you know, was was better than the time that he was previously at that venue. So, you know, he's chipping away at it, but, you know, he's having a lot of fun and I think it's it's keeping him match fit. And we saw another team owner stop his driver from Racing Speedway 
in the summer. So it's a very different philosophy that you're taking to driver management. Uh, look, you know, each to their own. You know, I, I see the benefits in it. Yeah, there's always some risk, but unfortunately there's risk in everything. And, you know, the same said driver then, you know, was allowed to do what he wanted on two wheels and, and look where that led him. So, you know, it's, um, you know, in some ways driving something that's got a roll cage over you is far safer than riding a push bike around like so many of them do. You know, you see people splattered on the side of the road all the time riding push bikes. So that is, a, you know, that's a dangerous pastime in itself. So, you know, there's, there's risk in everything and you've just got to weigh up the, the pros and cons and, and everybody will make their own decisions. We know that 2020 was a, uh, a very difficult time for both the series and your team and, and every other team, particularly the Victorian ones. Um, I'm just wondering... Um, Given now we're in a year that, you know, things are opening up, it's becoming clearer that, you know, there will be a time when normal normalcy will be, you know, almost there. Um, I'm just wondering if um, the, your growth, obviously you, you need to be constantly looking out for young men, to, young men and women to join your team. Are you finding that, that motorsport is still something that appeals to uh, as a career for young men and women? Uh, look, I... I... I've seen a bit over my 30 odd year, you know, career in motorsport. I have seen it change a lot. You know, when, uh, you know, when I was involved 30 plus years ago initially, you know, and even the first decade or so, you know, people made careers out of it. And, you know, I've made a career out of it, but it has changed over the last few years. You know, there's a, people get a lot more burnt out or maybe people are less tolerant uh, to, to, excessive work hours than they were 20 years ago and so you know I have noticed a shift over the last you know period that you know it's it's a sport that people get involved in because they've got a passion for motorsport because you have to have that before you get involved you don't you know it's not something you just um you know yeah you have to have a passion for it to get involved but you know Typically these days, you know, there's not much movement between the teams anymore. They, um, you know, you, you do your stint and then um, and then invariably they get burnt out and they, they leave the sport. So that is a real challenge because it means the sport or the industry is constantly trying to bring new people in, whereas 15, 20 years ago, you know, if someone left, well, you'd just go and get someone from another team because, you know, there are always people looking to move and um, and try something different in a different team. So, yeah, it, it's very difficult trying to find staff and, you know, I think that's that's an industry-wide thing. Um, you know, there's, there's still a lot of, you know, um, people interested in coming into the category, but you've got to bring a, you've got to invest a lot more time into to training people and, and grooming them because it's very hard to, to get those to get that many good people from from you know from within the industry you know I, I remember 15 years ago you know you know you'd have a number one mechanic on all the cars and then the number two on the car was actually a number one that you'd actually poach from another team so you always had this you know uh, someone in waiting to just step up if, if someone left and it's very hard these days to do that because as I say they we have a a far greater churn out of the sport rather than, you know, internally within the sport. So, yeah, it's, it's a challenge and, you know, we've been facing that really for the last decade. You did a lot of work on the, uh, the workshop and the premises. Whilst uh, COVID was in hard lockdown, I guess you'd say, 
How has mm. that set you up for now? And the passenger car, the SUV business, and have we seen a bump in people wanting those products since everything started to open up again? Oh, look, uh, certainly the automotive business is, is, is trading far better than it did when um, when the doors were locked um, last year. So, you know, it's a, it's a tough market to play in, but um, but yes, you know the automotive business is is going well, and you know, and it's continuing to grow all the time. So you know that's that's probably the most pleasing thing. Um, so you know, there's there's some good growth in that. Um, in terms of the workshop changes and that we did look, I mean, you know, it's hard to measure what the benefit of that actually is, but certainly, you know. You know, I think it's always a good thing to be demonstrating to the staff that, you know, you want to invest into the business, you want to improve the area that they're working, you know, give them something to be proud of. And particularly in this instance where, you know, they were heavily involved in what we did rather than it all just happening while they're away at a race, you know, you know, they... Yeah, they did so much of it themselves that you know they can actually take pride in. Well, this is the workplace that we built. So, you know, you know when they're walking around and they see something on the floor, you know they're more likely to take pride in their in their working environment than if it's just something that oh yeah someone else did that. So yeah, so look, you know, all, all positive. And we saw before Tasmania, and again you watch the AFL and the preparedness for what could happen in the case of an outbreak anywhere in the country. How do you think the team and, and the supercars is ready? Oh, well, I mean, I think what we went through last year um, demonstrated how nimble we could actually be. And, you know, we've had to do some small twists and turns this year, but by comparison to what we were dealing with last year, you know, this year's been bloody child's play, seriously. I mean, you know, when you, when you look, you know, we had a period last year where you didn't know what you were doing, you know, in two weeks' time. And, in fact, you know, I remember one week where at the beginning of the week we were planning to be racing at Queensland Raceway for a double header. By the middle of the week, that had shifted to Sydney Motorsport Park. And by the end of the week, that had shifted to Tail and Bend. So you can only imagine the logistics going on in the background with flights, accommodation, hire cars, just communicating with teams, you know, where we're getting parts shipped to and all that, you know. So, um, yeah, the, the, the little ducking and diving we've had to do this year is just, um, you know, it's insignificant compared to what we dealt with um, as an industry last year. So I think, you know, Last year toughened us all up to, to, all right, we've just got to be flexible, we've got to be adaptable, and um, and we'll just make it work. You know, let's not get bogged down on having, you know, though we have to have all these plans made out bloody so far in advance. Um, you know, we just need to be nimble. So everybody's, uh, nobody even flinches now. Oh, we've got to move to Tassie round by one week. Yep, fine, whatever. Yep, move on. And, of course, this weekend, back to uh, the three race format again. Um, yep. It's a track that was obviously challenging last year because of the tyre degradation. Um, you've now changed to a different tyre for this year um, compared to last year? Well, that happened in the second week, didn't it, last year? Yeah, no, no, we've got the same tyre this, this year as we had last year. So, um, so look, you know, for us last year, so we're, um, you know, we've, we've got those same challenges again. So, But, I mean, you know, once bitten, twice shy, you know, we know how to manage the tyres. People will be managing them very different to how they managed them last year. And, and you saw it as the, the weekend progressed last year. You know, everybody was 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 managing it different. So, 
you know, it's um, you know, it's a it's a it's a tough track. You got some long, long loaded corners there that you know, with high grip because it's a it is a high grip track that um, you know, put a lot of load through the car, and it's a. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because it's unlike um, you know we've had issues with tyres at Phillip Island in the past. You know where you have failures. The tyre failures that we really had at Tail and Bend were were more surface related. You know, we're literally getting blisters. You know, like a sun, like you've been out in the sun too long on the surface of the tyre. Um, whereas you know you weren't actually seeing failures. So you know it, it really is a, as an impact on lap time um, as opposed to having an impact on having a catastrophic and sending a car off. So look, it'll, it'll be challenging this weekend. That's for sure. Well, I look forward to being there on Sunday when you've got uh, two races, two qualifying sessions. Um, by that stage, of course, you'll know the lay of the land and uh, be ready for another day on the on the tough uh, fields of Tail and Bend. I look forward to catching up with you, Tim, in person, and uh, hope for you and your four young charges have a great weekend. Yeah, cheers, guys. Appreciate it. And thank you, Tim Edwards, for joining us from Tickford Racing. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more, or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.